0: Hey everybody, welcome to FullyStacked.io, I'm Richard. This is Devin. And this is episode 29. And in this episode we want to talk about Devin's experience on a fully stacked project, his first fully stacked project and his experiences, his successes. Uh, We also want to touch on CSS Grid and why everybody who works in website design development should be super excited about it.
1: Right, so I guess let's just get right into it. So this, um, this past couple of weeks this past two weeks uh, I've had a, a really uh, fun opportunity at work and by and uh, and by fun I of course mean it's a crap load of work uh, and if that's not fun for you then you know you know where the doors but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but for so so really what this was one of those situations where uh, they did de, uh, the designer uh, handed us this project and um, to kind of just give a give a guide, an outline of what it is, it's uh, v- very similar to bootstraptour.com. Uh, in fact, this is the plugin that the designers used to accomplish what they wanted. So you click start the demo, and you see this this uh, you know this this pop up that scrolls you through the page and gives you information about about the features of the page so I, so they wanted me to uh, build that in our environment uh, and this was one of those situations where you know on the surface level when you're estimating your tasks and everything you say oh yeah that's easy I just kind of uh, use this plugin and make it and uh, just throw it on and it works uh, but then when I got into the actual when I when I got into actually doing it, I realized it was a lot more work than I than I uh, had thought it was. And in fact, nobody really took a close look at this. Uh, so so to break it down, uh, the first thing I did was I broke it down into what are we going to need to do. So first we have, uh, you know, the, of course we've got data here. We've got uh, a, a a title content. Uh, we've got a box. Uh, we've got a place where the box uh, attaches to, and we've got a place where the uh, where where the page scrolls to. So we've got all these things that we that we need to accomplish here besides just uh, uh, dot uh, besides just you know throwing it together. So I start looking at the plugin itself. That was the next thing I did uh, was because what happened was uh, I tried the simple solution, just throwing this in and seeing what happens, and it didn't work. It didn't work very well at all, actually. And then opening up the plugin, the first thing I see is, oh, this has uh, dependencies, lots of dependencies on Bootstrap, on a Bootstrap component, Tooltip JS, and it's and and then, you know, looking through this thing, we've got 1,600 lines of code. Yikes. I mean, for, for really, what do I need it for? Well, I just need it to show me a box with some information, scroll to a point, and uh, anchor to a point, and in some cases, activate a method within, uh, within the uh, page itself. And that was actually the deal breaker for me. That was actually what made me think I really would be better off not trying to hack this uh, and I'd really be better off just doing it myself. Hmm. Uh, and, And it was because if I built it in our environment with our dependencies and nothing else, first of all, I could accomplish this in about 400 lines of code, not 16. Second, I have much better direct access to methods within other uh, view models, other other JavaScript f- uh, functions that make a page happen. So, for example, like on this page, let's say, oh God, uh, there's nothing for so there's so in my in my page without giving too many too many details. Let's say here on this uh, GitHub page you want to scroll to a point and then activate a section. So, which is exactly what we were doing. So it would scroll to a point, activate a section. Well, in order to do that, you have to actually access that section's JavaScript and then run the method to uh, trigger that event. So that was just like, this is gonna be so much easier just to do it myself. But what isn't easy is uh, so I started doing the JavaScript, I started writing it all, and things were going really, really well. And in fact, I had within a couple of days, built out most of this interactivity. And uh, and uh, this uh, plugin did a nice job of storing, um, well using it, I don't know where it is. Uh, but this plugin did a nice job of storing the information used to set this stuff up. As uh, here it is, as an array. So you'd say steps, and then you would just you know you would have your your array of steps here. So I kind of copied that pattern for the data, uh, and then I came up with something pretty nice. It was uh, non. It, it had very few dependencies. It only had a dependency on Kendo UI, Kendo UI, which we already had, mm-hmm. and jQuery, which we already were using. So this was just perfect. It, it was it was it was perfect. It was lean. It used components that we already had, uh, without bringing in duplicate components that we didn't need. Uh, and then so I so I showed it to uh, to some of the developers, to the to the senior .NET developers. And one of the guys says, "Yeah, well, where are you storing the data?" And I went, "I'm storing it as an array uh, in the in the function." He says, "Why would you do that?" this you get you need dynamic content this has to come from a database hmm. I said "This has to come from a database I said well I don't know how to do that but I'll find out
0: <laughs> is that where you are right now
1: uh, I'm past that now okay the next the next step in my journey now that I got the function working pretty well it wasn't a hundred percent done and I knew it wasn't a hundred percent done uh, was to figure out how to get this array, and all, I got it to the point where the function didn't care where the array came from, mm-hmm. it just needed an array. Perfect. Uh, so the idea was that it was gonna make an Ajax call to uh, to a database, or uh, one of the guys suggested static JSON file, which is, I did that too, mm-hmm. and that was an easy solution. You just have a static file and then you manage that. But if you want a database, he said, "Well, if you want to scale this up, which we might, mm-hmm. uh, you'll want a database." So we have a uh, we have subscriptions with our with our uh, Visual Studio Enterprise uh, edition uh, licenses. We have subscriptions to uh, Azure. Mm-hmm. So I created a. I had to learn how to create an Azure. Uh, database it's called Azure Cosmos hmm, never heard of it. uh, it's uh, it used to be called uh, document DB but they call it Azure Cosmos DB now and uh, it's really uh, you can do relational or non relational databases it's super it's really nice oh, wow. uh, and it's and it was pretty cheap it was really cheap we have a we have a subscription but um, which has, like, $150 credits or something. Hmm. But this only cost me, like, a couple bucks a month out of that to run. Oh, yeah. It's nothing. So it was nothing. And then um, – but in, so then I found out that – so he said, yeah, just put it up on the database and access the database. I was like, okay, her, her I can do that. Yeah. Um, you can't access databases directly from the front-end JavaScript because that poses – massive security sure, threats sure. Um, and he kept insisting that there was a way to do it and I said I and, and at that point I just stopped arguing and just shut up and I said I, I've, I learned the hard way that in order to access a database you need to write an API which I also didn't know how to do hmm. how do you write an API what the hell what is an API most people don't a lot of most people don't even know what that is. Well, an API is really just uh, server-side processing to mediate data from one place to another mm-hmm. uh, we We consume apis all the time in our in our industry we, we but we hardly ever write them right uh, so yeah, I had you use to write APIs all the time. yeah yeah you feed it some information and then it goes and queries the database and returns uh, information back to you Uh, so that's what I had to do I had to write so I I created the database and then I wrote an API hosted it uh, and then I was able to access it uh, with the plugin that I had had written to do exactly what's already been done here I totally reinvented the wheel but but
0: you got to learn a lot in the process
1: not only was it the right thing to do in this case, but I learned a whole lot. And uh, and I stared a, a complete unknown in the face. And, you know, they, in fact, the project manager was asking me, you know, uh, are we going to be able to handle this this sprint? Because this is a lot of work. I And I said, it's a lot of work, but I got it. I said, if this takes me... If it takes me three hours to do what it would take uh, a senior .NET developer a half hour to do, it was still worth it because I learned a lot and um, I saved somebody else time to do more advanced stuff. That's uh, a
0: good way of looking at it.
1: You know, and, and yeah, you put in some of your own time. It kind of consumes you for uh, an entire weekend and, you know, you just keep thinking about it and doing Everything four different ways, and and uh, and wow, it was it was a lot of fun.
0: So so to recap, you saw the solution, but some that somebody else made. Correct me if I'm wrong. You f- saw that an opportunity to make it better. Mm-hmm. You prototyped it, got it to work. Mm-hmm. You made it more efficient. You made it better by connecting it to a database so that you can mm-hmm. scale it so step by step so you took the project step by step to get it where it needed it to be basically
1: yeah and one of the and one of the kind of challenges that i had to face to not get overwhelmed by all of this is is exactly breaking it down into logical steps to solving a problem and you really have to pick the uh, it was an exercise in picking the most important task first mm-hmm. uh, So I had to balance between meeting a deadline Making sure I can meet the deadline with what I have mm-hmm. uh, You know, mm-hmm. it's like that, that's why I wrote the script uh, to handle it first I got to a point I got it to a point where if I had to release it with what I had it would be fine and mm-hmm. Then I took it to 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 the next level
0: that's cool. So so all those steps, keeping all those steps in mind, what would you say was the most challenging step of all?
1: Um, they were all pretty – they all had their unique challenges. The JavaScript itself, I'd say, was uh, since I'm better at JavaScript than C Sharp, mm-hmm. uh, that, was, that was a challenge to do it really well, mm. uh, whereas C Sharp was a challenge to just get it working. Got it. <laughs> Writing the API was just like, oh my god, it works! Now what? That's uh, cool, you know. And then, and then get it working. So you get it working one way. You get it working locally, and then yeah. uh, you get it returning data first of all. Like that was that was like I'm doing I'm doing you know NFL celebrations in the office kind of thing, <laughs> just getting it working. Oh,
0: locally. I, I know the feeling.
1: And then I, and then I try to access it from my page, and then I get the uh, cross-origin violation, and it's like, okay, what do I do about that? Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, Google it. They show you how to do it. Uh, I was but, gonna,
0: I was going to say, so where did you find all the answers to all the problems you were tackling?
1: Well, a lot of I ran into a lot of situations because um, the the solutions to the problems I was having um, uh, aren't. Always the easiest to find, because uh, now we're in like, you know, .NET Core two, and and people are releasing so, uh, solutions fixes for that problem in old ASP. It's like finding the solution that fits what you're doing in the specific version of the language that you're doing uh, can be can be hard because if you do something that isn't that doesn't match up it's not going to work and if you have and if you're very new to this like like I am with C sharp uh, it gets to be a real hassle because it's like oh it works here but it won't work on what I'm doing and it certainly won't work in in the in the in the super advanced program that I'm working in you know in the in the web application that I'm developing it for so the idea essentially it landed on I built essentially a microservice service uh, that I'm hosting on Azure that you can host it anywhere so Uh, the idea in the end is if it does get scaled up this would essentially be a microservice and of course I would have to pass it on to other people that are better at it than I would and they'll make it more robust as they go got it
0: got it I like that you try to make the JavaScript as um, as clean as possible I guess is the word or as right as possible Mm -hmm. that's that's cool too because I always like that I always tell myself whenever I'm working on a project on a website project like this uh, is that if you're going to do it try to do it try to do it the right way because mm-hmm. um, I see a lot of people when they're learning new technology or doing something new they kind of piecemeal it together with just some code they found on the web and hope for the best kind of thing and in those situations you end up um, having more problems than solutions because you know other problems come up as a result
1: well you definitely end up causing a lot of problems down the line where especially as you scale up uh, some other person's page may not may not satisfy your dependencies, or yeah. they they're already loading that dependency a different version of it. Mm-hmm. So so really, my goal as I was uh, trying to write it as clean as I could was to uh, follow follow co- as many conventions that were already established as I could, uh, because I didn't, wanna, I didn't want to I didn't want to 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 uh, what is it? Uh, taint the water or whatever. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to introduce bad code into yeah. into a into a solution where I mean, really, part of my job is to fix bad code. Uh, so sure. why would I? Why you know, if, especially if this is something that I'm taking on full stack, I want it to be as clean as possible.
0: Well, and the and the other thing too, inevitably you're you're going to get a request that say, hey, hey, can we modify this a bit, or can we change this to do this instead, kind of thing. And if mm-hmm. you're not familiar with the code because you grabbed it off the internet, then you're kind of you're kind of screwed.
1: Well, yeah, that could really leave you dead in the water. If or or you know, or saying, yeah, I can do it, but it's going to take completely reengineering this whole thing because yeah. uh, because it was it was built for me and I. Yeah. Uh, and I don't understand, or or uh, not even if you do understand it, it was built for me. And uh, because it's built this way, uh, making a change, I'd have to break another page. Uh, you know, especially it's like as it scales up. Let's say this applies, this is applied in five different pages, and someone may, wants you to to make a change that breaks it that's gonna break the other four pages. Well, now you're stuck debugging, doing regression testing, and all of these other things for, for what should have been, what could have been, uh, you know, an hour's worth of work is now two weeks' worth of work because you didn't take that time in the beginning to do it, to, to understand it and build it uh, in a way that satisfies the needs of uh, your uh, specific organization.
0: Yeah, that's a really good lesson I think for all of us as, as we build the, uh, our applications, our websites. Um, really take the time to understand the code you're putting into your website, because it, it will bite you in the ass in the long run. It really, it'll come back to you. Yeah, you know, for sure. And, and I've learned that lesson the hard way uh, when I was it when, you know, when I'm learning this stuff for sure. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Uh, and so I think this is definitely a good lesson. If you're going to do something, at least make an attempt to do it the right way, the most efficient way, and understand what what it is you're putting together. It'll help you out in the long run for sure.
1: Well, and, and one of the other reasons is because these plugins are meant to be as generic as possible, right. which which means that these plugins aren't going to assume that you're using SAS uh, which a lot of these. So what they do is they take a lot of things, they pass a lot of uh, custom styles and stuff through here things that really could be controlled with SAS like transitions, uh, things like that. Yeah. Um, you know if if you want if you want a box to fade out and fade back in, you don't need to do that with JavaScript. you can do that with SAS and it's going to be uh, a lot faster, a lot less, uh, a lot less for the page to to handle if it's done in SAS. so there's a lot, lot of, if you build it for your application you really get the best uh, the best value uh, for for what you're doing because because not only do you have that uh, understanding of how things work but you can but you can put things where they belong and uh, really have ultimate control over it.
0: I think that this this idea of grabbing code and just, you know, putting it into your uh, website or application, I think a lot of that became really uh, popularized uh, with jQuery. And mm-hmm. the reason why I say that, because a lot of people made plugins with jQuery, and it was so easy for you just to go out and grab some random plugin, put it into your project and then just initialize it, and you're, off and you're done. And, mm-hmm. But you have no idea how that plugin was put together, how well it's maintained. You have no clue. And then mm-hmm. you depend on a whole piece of code for a, possibly a major part of your website. And I think... As much as I do love j- jQuery, I think it's also doing a lot of folks a disservice because a lot of people kind of miss out on, on that opportunity that you just experience, where you get to learn how it works and how best to make it more efficient. But with jQuery, you don't really jQuery plugins. You don't necessarily get to do that.
1: Yeah, and in my page, uh, in the the website I work on, it's uh it's pretty imperative to not have that extra weight. Uh, you know a jquery one jquery function can can break the page uh, make it so slow that it's unreadable because we had this situation for example we had this situation because we load um, massive amounts of data talking like thousands and thousands of rows wow. with 50 columns each wow. uh, so like pages like the browser is consuming a gigabyte of data or something crazy we we had something ridiculous uh 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 loading up all the browser memory and it was like what the hell is going on here this page is so slow well we found out that we had we had to run a script that uh The table was broken up into a header and a body, and we had to run a script that would match the width of the cells from the header and the body and trigger that and have that as an event trigger. Mm -hmm. But when done in jQuery was dragging the page down to a crawl. Hmm. But when you did that exact same thing in vanilla JavaScript, problem solved. Wow. I mean it, it saved it saved like a second off of uh, page load that's and crazy. you know you could really feel it when you when you were interacting with the page you could really feel the difference uh, because you didn't have to wait for this thing to re-render it it's just vanilla JavaScript just did it so much faster so that's one of those that's one of those things where as you get some experience in learning uh, jQuery and JavaScript and learning the The strengths and weaknesses of each that you go you know what this is going to be better that I don't want to do jQuery each when I can do a uh, 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 prototype array for each and accomplish the same thing with vanilla JavaScript uh, as an example or you or when you're uh, dealing with lots of data like I was do a traditional loop Mm-hmm. Uh where you just go, um i equals zero, you know, var i equals zero, uh, you know, put your variable dot length i plus plus and you iterate through each of those. Uh because for whatever reason, uh jQuery uh just doesn't do it as well.
0: Yeah, jQuery is pretty it's pretty it's a pretty heavy library now, mm-hmm. I think. And and you know, we we've been seeing this uh trend right now happening where People are starting to move away from jQuery, and just doing everything in ES6, for example. Mm-hmm. So I think that the, I think Jake I mean, I've, I've been hearing that jQuery is kind of out the door for many years now. It's mm-hmm. still around. Uh, a lot of people still use it. Um, but I think if you're if you're getting into this industry now, if you're let's say, uh, uh, you know, just getting into website design, try your best to not rely on jQuery so much, and try to solve the same problems with just
1: JavaScript. Yeah, if yeah, can. I I 100% agree because uh, really the the web is trending more towards uh, more towards programmers, and it's and really you got to – jQuery is a really good introduction and really good if you when for when you're learning and a lot of and a lot of websites still use jQuery but yeah. a lot of but most uh, really skilled. Most people looking for really skilled developers. Uh, they don't use jQuery. They they'll use React. Uh, you know, even even people are getting even pissed off at Angular because they keep they keep doing. I think Angular four is out in two months now. So it's like the what happened to Angular three is that that's not even a thing or just skipping right over it. Wow. You know, or whatever is I I it was. You know, whatever. But yeah, uh, even 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 Angular is uh, is in question because the whole two way binding model is just pissing people off. Hmm.
0: You
1: know, why do a two way bind and have and have to bind a hundred thousand elements on a page when you could just write one block of code and uh, React just updates only what needs to be updated? Like that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool.
0: Sounds like React is going to be the winner in this uh, in this race.
1: It, it's definitely a contender, and then we have things like uh, like um, TypeScript, which uh, which solves a lot of problems that JavaScript has. Because JavaScript, you know, you know, like we all know, one of the things actually we like about JavaScript is my cats. Uh, one of the things is that uh, you know you can you can use a variable as as a boolean and then you can change it to a string and then you can change it to you know, but really, what that does is that uh, is that leaves it open for a lot of bugs mm-hmm. and a lot of bugs that that don't go detected until runtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now programmers are saying, what the hell we can't be releasing code with bugs. Uh, so what do we do about that? Well, we're gonna write a framework that uh, that will, you know, catch you while you're writing it, that and that you can't uh, run your page like you can't until it's compiled. And it's like this is like now SAS for JavaScript That's uh, cool. all of a sudden, where it's like doing error handling and things like that in line as you write the code. TypeScript, you're talking about? TypeScript, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like bringing bringing more of a pro object oriented programming mindset into uh, front end development. And uh, these are things that that affect you as a as a designer now too, because now you can't even prototype a page right. and have any of that code go into production. Because you know if you're not if you're not using TypeScript, if you're not building in SAS, if you're not following uh object-oriented programming or or even you know non-oop methods that some people use or like like for like react if you're not using these things and if you're not familiar with how these things are are built and function then you you can't even be effective as a designer
0: mm-hmm. super interesting so uh, th- this technology really – and think thing, too, is that as you're learning this stuff, you really have to uh, get in the habit of staying up to date with a lot of this stuff, too, is that a lot of this stuff, if you kind of live in a, in a bubble, you, mm-hmm. you're kind of hurting yourself, too. because So much of this is changing so fast that you need to be really on top of it
1: yes i mean really what i like to do is learn something get not even good at it get okay at it and start learning the next thing because uh pretty much you know you're you're not going to be a master at anything especially if you're just starting out today you're never going to be a master at any one thing uh you've really got to you're you're hitting a moving target
0: yeah no i completely agree And, and on that topic Speaking of things moving rapidly, I was just about to say.
1: Speaking of new technologies, <laughs> let's let's uh, talk about CSS grid. CSS something grid you... is
0: like the new hot thing right now.
1: So um, I've heard about it, but I think you've done a lot more. You've done some actual homework in it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been reading up about it. I watched some videos on it. Uh, it's uh, yeah. This is something I talk about a lot. Uh, CSS floats. Tables were never meant to be uh, tools used to lay out a page never uh, and only now it's 2017 we're finally getting a tool a really good tool that does exactly is built to do exactly that to lay out a page the way in columns and rows effectively responsively mm-hmm. you could do you can manipulate the the elements without having to mess with the dom i mean you could do all sorts of stuff with the css grid so this is a new spec i guess that's now coming on board all the browsers pretty much all the the latest browsers support it so if uh, i mean i know that all the new browsers automatically update themselves Mm -hmm. unless i'm wrong i mean i use chrome so chrome just kind of is always updating um as, as i understand it <laughs> whether fun, you like it or not whether you like it or not which i think is good personally uh some, as somebody who used to build a, a whole style sheet just for internet explorer eight nine i'm really happy to see browsers updating mm-hmm. so i don't have to do things like that anymore yeah right you know uh so 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 css grid so css grid is a two-dimensional system meaning there's a it, it's different from flexbox because flexbox it I think is a good layout tool, but it's very limiting in terms of uh, how you lay out your rows and your columns. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flexbox kind of works just if you, you could just do a column or you could just do a row, that's that's it. With CSS mm-hmm. Grid, you could do both a row and a column together uh, with using the same properties. So it, it makes it a really powerful tool to lay out your entire page with css grid you could set up your header you could set up your sidebar your content your footer area all in the same
1: oh my God. Uh,
0: a container like target this one container and then uh, place everything there using the css grid
1: you do this you, you set this up with sass and you could control the entire layout of yeah. a page with with a couple of variables this is this is amazing you could you could develop five different variations of the of five different layouts uh, of of the same page and just yeah. control it with variables. This is amazing. Yeah. This could this could cut down a 300 kilobyte CSS file down to like 50 kilobytes. Yeah. You know you know how much of my of, of my CSS uh, ends up being float left, margin right. Oh man. Uh, With this, with that, at all of that At gone. this size with this forget you know, about all that come on yeah. this, is, this and then, is and then doing the the responsive with the media queries responsive this is insane it is this,
0: insane it's it's absolutely insane
1: this could this could get rid of most of my css
0: yeah 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 it's it's really really cool so it's definitely something you, if if you're just learning website design or if you're super comfortable with css floats forget all that stop using, I mean, I've been saying stop using CSS floats ever since Flexbox came around. Yeah. Um, but now you really got to stop using it. It's it's not, it was never intended for website layouts at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm really happy to see something like this come around and this is really kind of it's kind of a revelation really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really going to change the way we, we build websites completely. Um, you have the can I use website up and you can see all the browser support is, is pretty good throughout
1: uh it's pretty good so i i don't I, know who's using safari 9 still i got a i got a safari 9 bug uh a couple weeks ago and i told them to shove it
0: well i mean safari is like the new internet explorer right
1: yeah Safari's just terrible lately
0: it is terrible um but i mean looking at can i use right now it's it's the support is pretty good so i think you should feel more or less comfortable using it at this point Mm-hmm. Um, you'll have to use a browser prefix for for uh, edge but no big deal you know if you if you're using something like gulp um, you could just run a little um, a plug to do that for you so not a bit it
1: looks bad. like anything released in 2017 you're good so this could probably be something that large companies like mine start using next year
0: I mean, hopefully, you know, the, just... the, the issue that you're going to run into, and this is the issue that I used to run into when I worked at a corporation, is that you have to onboard people. you got to, first of all, you gotta yeah. sell, you got to sell this thing to people. Yeah. And, you know, you, the, the, even with Flexbox, it was really difficult for me to do that because you're asking people to forget everything they've been doing for years and try this whole new thing out. Right. So that's going to, I think, in, in a team environment, uh, that's going to be a challenge uh particularly if you're a champion for this thing mm-hmm. um for sure because this is a very, very very different way of building a page mm-hmm. um uh, that flexbox or css floats because this goes just far beyond anything flexbox could ever do
1: yeah because i, I mean like unfortunately we still uh, pander to ie 11 and the and even flexbox doesn't doesn't play well with IE 11 or IE 11 doesn't play well with flexbox it's just because microsoft stopped supporting it at some point we're going to get we're going to get to say goodbye i.e
0: i wonder what the, i wonder what the usage uh, right now is for i.e in general wow
1: oh, that's that's a good point
0: browser scores i wonder if this website can i use has some information about that uh compare browsers i.e 11
1: Browser usage table. It is from can I use? So let's go to holy crap, true, Chrome yeah. is tall. 3.1%. There you go. No. Total amount of counter. Okay, wait a minute. Browser is not okay. IE11, 3.1%, yeah.
0: Yeah, there you go. That's that's
1: of the to, world
0: to me, that's at the point where no no one's using it. I don't know why you would need to support it,
1: unless yeah, you, it, you
0: have an application that runs on it, maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, if you're doing it right, you're gonna have some analytics, and those analytics will tell you what browsers people are using your stuff with. Mm-hmm. So if you know sixty percent of your user base is still on IE, then well, you know, maybe you maybe you uh, maybe you don't comp- cut them off at the knees maybe you just kind of nudge them in the right direction
0: yeah that's. and that's then a, over a
1: period of time you you yeah. start to say hey by the way starting uh three months from now we're not going to support ie so get on board or get out
0: yeah it's, it's, it's a tough sell i mean as much as i really want to do that to people just to say you know buzz off kind of thing mm-hmm. um it's I I, I kind of get it to to some degree because a lot of people uh, get set in their ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always I always this always comes up when I uh, speak to an older generation where they're used to using the same thing over and over again for many years. Uh, but the web and technology isn't like that. It's always changing and i think uh, it could be a generational thing too is that uh, you know nowadays people are are used to having their iphones update constantly and nobody nobody you know uh, bats an eye about it they're like whatever it's updating but yeah the old older generation is very like hypercritical about it like oh i'm not going to update right away i'm going to wait a year to see if there are any problems that need to be ironed out it's super it's kind of interesting
1: Surprising thing about this though is that um, Firefox, uh, the, the current version of Firefox, 3.75%. So mm, Firefox is is losing ground, but IE is almost as popular as Firefox. Yeah, which, definitely more popular than Edge. Edge, oh, yeah. nobody's using Edge.
0: Which is surprising because I, I figured it comes with Windows 10. Everybody's got Windows 10. You'd think people would be using it. But I, the, I think I, I, I read or heard somewhere that uh, the two most popular applications on a Windows machine, can you guess what they are?
1: Um, I don't know.
0: The number one popular application is Chrome. Mm. Number two popular app- application is iTunes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> iTunes is terrible too. It is,
0: it's god awful. I but, can't
1: stand iTunes. But
0: if you have an iPhone, you're probably and you, you know you may not have spent money on a on a, an expensive Apple product, so you have a Windows machine, so you need mm. iTunes. Yep. So that's, that's uh, true. That's kind of what it is. it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, But yeah, so CSS Grid, next big thing. You should be be studying it right now. Like literally literally, uh, after this podcast ends, go watch a video, go read up about it. It's the next big thing.
1: And did you say it was developed, uh, co-developed by uh, three people from Microsoft?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's an article um, that basically says that the draft, the working draft for Grid Layout was published back in April 2011. And there were four authors, and three of them uh, were from Microsoft. uh, And the first uh, IE10 preview shipped with uh, Microsoft prefix of the grid implementation. Whoa! Of all people, uh, you know uh, where this is coming from. That's kind of amazing.
1: That is. It's. This has been out for a long time. Oh yeah. uh, And and. It's it's on IE11. You just have to use the prefix. That's pretty cool. Yeah, the
0: fact that it's on IE11, I think is great. That I, I think that's super that's amazing,
1: cool. actually. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's super cool. So that so I give props to Microsoft for, or at least the folks that work at Microsoft for doing yeah. this because this is a huge leap forward for for
1: website design. I mean, this is that, that's like that's like a dis, discovering something. That's yeah. amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing. Like a very treasure. Oh yeah, I think the biggest thing uh, for CSS Grid, the learning curve is very steep, for what mm-hmm. I can tell. Uh, so I think it's gonna it's gonna take some time for developers to get on board because they're gonna look at this, they're gonna see a lot of stuff they've never seen before in CSS, and they're just gonna get uh, scared or or at least turned off by it because mm-hmm. they'll be like this. I'm not comfortable with this. This is this is not the way i, I do things mm-hmm. so i think it's going to take a lot of people some time to to come around to it um Particularly if you're jumping from using CSS floats uh, to CSS grid, avoiding mm. flexbox because if you've worked with flexbox, transitioning to CSS grids a little bit easier because some of the same principles apply. Particularly mm. the parent and child relationship, the way flexbox works, it's all about the parent and child relationship. CSS mm. grid, same thing. Uh, that that idea, I think, is another barrier for people coming from CSS floats. Mm. But I, I mean, I it's hard for me to sell it it's going to be something you're gonna to have to try on your own uh, and see what and see what's so great about it really I definitely
1: want to try it and and give you some feedback on on uh how how i do with it I mean that that sounds really interesting to me because because i try to build things with semantic html5 which already inherently it has a parent-child relationship so it might not be that bad if you're so if you're building things right right so so
0: if you have do you have your browser open go to the css tricks uh guide to the grid and then scroll down and look for grid template areas this is the thing that i just learned to do uh
1: grid template areas oh yeah yeah i saw that
0: so okay so if you look at the bottom there you see where it says container And it's got the grid template columns 50 pixel 50 pixel 50 pixel 50 pixel do you see that Mm -hmm. part okay if you look down where where you see grid template areas that right there is your grid so that top row there header 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 means that the first row is going to be your header element Mm. the second row is going to be your main main so that's taken up so every time they mention the word that's that's a column Whoa. The dot is the space, and then the sidebar is another
1: column. These are essentially variables.
0: Basically, yeah. So this is another way of using. So you don't have to use CSS grid this way, but this is one way you can use it.
1: Yeah. So this is this is kind of like. So so to me, it looks like you're setting up a pattern for, uh, for a sets of variables. So you go yep. header, header, header. Well, it knows that the header is is set up this way so it maps it to that
0: that's if you look at the if you look at the little uh, graphic right below it you'll Mm -hmm. see the layout that's presented so if you scroll down just a bit you'll see Mm -hmm. the layout that's presented as a result of that code
1: main main dot empty empty. yeah exactly
0: so you you, every time you use the word main main that's one row use main again that's the second row uh, and so on and so forth so it's it's pre, it's a it's kind of a wild thing let me tell you but uh, it's super interesting.
1: Yeah, that is really cool.
0: Yeah, so uh, definitely definitely start learning CSS grid. Uh, there's a lot a lot here to learn, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. So this is definitely going to take me some time to to figure all the ins and outs of it.
1: Mm-hmm. And figuring out how to use. Uh, SAS to your advantage of, with this would be really killer oh,
0: yeah. i'm sure i'm sure there's lots of great opportunities to do a lot of cool stuff with sass here I, I mean this this this
1: looks like this looks like half of what SAS is meant to do yeah. already in css yeah
0: but this is, does it super efficiently because it's already yeah. built into, it's ready to go but very minimal code
1: that's so cool yeah. and it's been out since 2011 by the way yeah I'm jeez probably come it's, on yeah, it should, it, in ie
0: it, yeah. the forward-looking <laughs> browser yeah isn't that, isn't that hilarious yeah um, so yeah I, i'm very excited about it um i think everyone should be too and the fact that all the browsers are finally coming on board i think literally edge just a few weeks ago just came on board because mm. a few weeks ago I, I i checked on can i use and it was red it wasn't even supported even with the prefix mm. nowadays so everybody's getting on board so uh, definitely check it out this is uh, a good article on um, net. Mm, uh, yep so check that out we'll, we'll have uh, links to this on the on the youtube channel and also we'll have this on soundcloud where we have our podcast episodes mm-hmm. so definitely look for that uh, but yeah so i'm i'm excited about CSS grid
1: uh so am i yeah, this will, this will uh, keep me real busy for a couple of weeks. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> Probably more than a couple of weeks. But, uh, yeah,
0: okay. me too. I'm gonna to have to try this in production to see how it goes too. Um, oh yeah. The way the way I learned this stuff is by using it and mm-hmm. experiment experimenting with it and seeing what works, what doesn't work. That's you know, that to me is the the way to go. I, I spent months uh, using Flexbox in production to get really comfortable with it.
1: Uh, That is awesome. I mean, I got to say, I I really envy that about the small business uh, uh, web development. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my favorite thing about it because I get to basically use any technology I want at any time, Mm -hmm. uh, and nobody could tell me otherwise.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, that's how you learn. To me, you learn by doing. That's that's always been the, the way I go about these things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh okay, I think I think we covered everything we wanted to cover, Devin. Anything else you want to add?
1: No, I think I think we're uh we're going to run over pretty soon, so let's not uh go down another rabbit hole. We're Perfect. good.
0: All right. Uh this has been another great episode. My name is Richard.
1: This yeah. is Devin. Thank you right. very much.
0: Thank you. Until next week.